The scripture begins with uh, Nehemiah chapter 8. Listen for the word of the Lord. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. Stop for a minute, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> and, and yes, this is where that hotel got its name from Nehemiah chapter 8. Uh, now, <clears throat> just a little bit of background to help us get ready for this. Part of what happened was they used to have a, a temple. And in the temple, you brought your animals to uh, a live sacrifice. It was a very dramatic religious moment. And then the temple was destroyed. And once the temple was destroyed, then they needed uh, something that was going to help them uh, get in touch with God. And so uh, the whole city had been destroyed. Nehemiah came along and rebuilt the wall. And then after they rebuilt the wall, he gathered the people and he reads. And, and what we're going to hear in this passage is not only that they, had they forgotten uh, about their religious practices, they had forgotten about the scripture. And so they rediscover the scripture. And that's what we're hearing in this passage today. So again, uh, let us gather and open ourselves to the Word of God in um, Nehemiah chapter 8. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. They bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Bani, Sherebah, Jamin, Akib, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Manasseh, Kelatiah, Azariah, Jonabad, Hanan, Pelaiah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law, while the people remained in their places. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all, uh, said to all of them, <clears throat> This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way and eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our God, the Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, we're beginning with verse 14. And here we hear Jesus carrying on that tradition. 
Then Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding region. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love my job. I love being uh, an interim pastor. It's like being um, an archaeologist. It's like being Indiana Jones. I get to wander around and find these ancient artifacts and, and, and try to explore and understand what does this mean? Because every church has its own unique culture. And that unique culture speaks of the spiritual gifts of the people who came before us. And those gifts have been handed on. Uh, and they're part of the taproot of congregations. So you have to figure out what's the connection between the, 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 your archaeology and your spirituality. And, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a while. But this last week, I walked in here and was just overwhelmed in this chapel because I've never seen so many Bible stories in one place. And I think that really connects with the people of this Kirk in the Hills because this is a church that cares about the Bible. There are so many people who, uh, at, at the drop of a hat, are able to articulate some sort of scripture passage. Um, this is something, I, I mean, I'm like, are you guys really Presbyterians? Uh, you know, you can quote the Bible. Um, that's, that, that is our history as a denomination. It's our strength. Um, but it is a particular strength of this congregation among a great many people. Um, <clears throat> I think the, 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 the story uh, of, uh, of, of the scripture from uh, Nehemiah really fits with the situation of the church today. And by that, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, part of our history, our faith history um, is, is reading the scripture. A rabbi once told me, for Jews, when we want to talk to God, we pray, but when we want to listen to God, we read. And that's really what Presbyterians do. We, we read, we read broadly, but in particular, we read the scripture. Reading the Bible used to be a spiritual discipline that was broadly practiced. Uh, a whole host of people knew the stories, the references, the cadences of the speech it shaped individuals, it shaped families, it shaped churches, it shaped schools, it shaped corporations, and it shaped our country. It was a spiritual discipline, not of everyone, but broadly shared enough that a lot of people could connect with it. 
Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, uh, when he gave the Gettysburg Address, um, he, he used those biblical cadences and people understood what he was talking about. They understood and they connected. There was a deep, thick, shared understanding of what the Bible was pointing to and what it was saying. Um, and then over time, um, that spiritual discipline stopped. It's been lost. We've been drafting over it, but I remember <clears throat> Martin Marty uh, wrote uh, a book 30 years ago called, uh, referring to the Bible as America's iconic book. Um, he said after two generations of biblical illiteracy, um, people, uh, they, they didn't know what was in the Bible, but they knew what was important. So they'd have the Bible in their homes in a prominent place, and it was kind of an icon, you know? You, you, you knew that was important, and it was there. But now, we're not on the second or third generation. We're, uh, we're on the third or the fourth generation of biblical illiteracy. Um, people no longer know um, even the importance of the book. Um, now, I'm not going on a nostalgia tour. I'm really saying this is part of the history of, of where we've been and where we are. What does it do to us as a, as a country? I, I think um, it leaves us with a sense of anomie, a sense of normlessness, that, that there aren't the shared values that people had. Uh, again, it was never perfect. It was never perfect. Um, but there was a shared sense of what was right and what was wrong. Today, um, you know, we've, we've got a thin understanding of what the Bible is about. Um, and, and what I'm advocating for is to return to the, uh, a thick understanding of what the Bible said. And by a thin understanding of the Bible, who was it? Thomas Jefferson um, did his own version of the Bible. He just cut out all the parts he didn't like. <laughs> Um, and then you have the Jefferson Bible, that thin version. Um, but, but part of what is marvelous about the Bible is the thickness of it. All the different stories, all the different strange encounters that you have there. And not just the number of pages, but the depth of meaning that is going on there. Uh, we live in a culture that is in the thick of thin things. Um, there's a lot of people that think that life doesn't really matter. There's a sense of hopelessness among a great many people. Um, there's people that think the truth doesn't matter. Um, and, and therefore, they can say anything they want. If they just say it often enough, it, people will believe them. There's people that think that, that community doesn't matter. Um, and, and all of these things are things that, that used to be learned in the Scripture as people gathered around uh, the, the, the Word. Um, and so I think we live in a time that, that needs to regain that. Now, this is not the first time in history when that's happened. Um, take a look at the Bible and you see the stories of King Solomon. King Solomon forgot what covenant meant. King Solomon is often referred to as uh, wise King Solomon. I don't think Solomon was wise. I think he just had a good press agent, okay? Um, because King, King Solomon, he, he came to own more territory and more buildings and build more temples and have bigger armies and wives. My word, the number of wives that Solomon had and concubines. But he forgot about God. 
Um, and so Solomon, if you read deeply in the Bible, is somebody who stands for loss, a loss of understanding of God and therefore how things fall apart. The Bible is aware of the forgetting that happens. And that's the story today in that passage from Nehemiah. It's a time when people had forgotten. The walls had been broken down, not just the walls of the city, but the walls of their faithful imagination. So he builds up the walls of the city first, and then he gathers all the people, and he reads the scripture to them. And they remember, they remember. They weep because they realize how they've forgotten about God. But he says, don't weep, celebrate, because you may have forgotten about God, but God has not forgotten about you. That's the story that we hear today in the scripture. And that's our story too. I think it's time for us to reclaim that part of the strength of the church historically is when we read broadly. And I'm not necessarily saying we have to have some big program that you have to wait for somebody to, to do and it will, it will be everything. I mean, I think it starts with people just plain deciding to make scripture reading part of their daily practice. It may be one verse a day. It may be one, one chapter a day, but somewhere to make sure that, that each and every one of us is growing in that sense of how scripture speaks to us. Now, you may notice in the, in the call to worship today, uh, which came from the confession of 1967, which I'm very partial to because my minister, a good graduate of Princeton Theological Seminary, um, was, uh, was part of the group that, uh, that, that spoke to and in favor of this confession when the Presbyterians adopted it. And it's a very, very, I think, nuanced confession. Um, so that it talks about the word of God in two ways. And you can look at this in the bulletin on the, the, the call to worship. When it talks about Jesus, it's capitalized. Jesus uh, is the word of God, capital W, but when it's small case, it's referring, it's referring to the Bible um, because the Bible is not our God, okay? Uh, Martin Luther experienced this with his congregation. They were starting to, to assume that if they just quoted the Bible, everything would be okay. And one day he became so exasperated, he threw the Bible down in the middle of worship and said, that is not your God. Jesus is the word. And we read the scripture to get us in touch with, to point us toward, to help us be aware of the Spirit so we can experience Jesus as the living Word of God. The words of God help us to discern the Word of God, the living Word of Christ. Um, and so this is an invitation. This is an invitation um, to pick up that discipline. I know there must be a great many people in this congregation who make that daily spiritual discipline of reading the scripture part of their lives. It has to be. There's too many people who are richly immersed in, in the word. Um, and, and you can hear it in discussions around here. But if you have not yet availed yourself of that spiritual practice, this is an invitation to say, try it. Try it for a month or a year. Just one brief reading a day, whether it's when you get up and have your coffee in the morning or when you go to bed at night, whenever it is, just start picking up in the book and reading because you'll have all these strange encounters. Um, 
It starts out being someone else's story um, of this strange ancient world, but you read it and stick with it, and over time the Holy Spirit shows up, and all of a sudden it's not somebody else's story, it's our story. It's our story, and somehow the Spirit is speaking there and in engaging us with the Spirit of Christ, and we come to see ourselves and the world anew. It becomes our story, not as a proof text that, that we're going to hit somebody else over the head with. Presbyterians don't tend to go around quoting by the, the Bible to, to sort of end the discussion, you know, that... that, that um, uh, a bumper sticker that you used to see that said, uh, the Bible said it, I believe it, that ends it. <laughs> For us, that just is the beginning. It's the beginning uh, of, of pointing us toward the light of Jesus Christ. The study of Scripture is, is kind of like, we, we, we try to sneak up on Scripture and make it read what we, uh, what we want it to say, um, but, but as we read scripture, what we discover is it ends up doing some sort of jujitsu move on us and flips us over and turns us around and we become new in its light. I think scripture is something that, that helps us to see the world anew. And we read not just the thin Bible or the stuff that we want, but the thick Bible so that it, it can connect with the depth in us. There's, there's that scripture passage that says, deep calls to deep, deep calls to deep. The depths of Scripture speak to the depths in us that we may not have even known were there. And so we find in the Scripture stories and parables and hymns and liturgy and proverbs and theology and history and letters and dreams and visions and riddles and wisdom saying and gospels and editorial commentary along the way. There are all sorts of different voices in the Bible. There are different perspectives of these people of faith who have had these encounters with God, and it is almost within the Scripture that these different voices are in, in dialogue with one another. And when we enter into reading the Scripture, we become part of the dialogue, and all of a sudden their voices speak to us, and the Spirit of God speaks to us. Different voices, different perspectives, different experiences of God. Um, and, and we keep on pondering and discerning and, and discovering. Um, clarity doesn't happen from the Bible with one quick read. Um, it happens when we struggle with it, when we struggle to, to listen and to enter into this spiritual discipline. Uh, and when we struggle especially to listen together and listen how the Spirit's moving among different people. Um, the mystery of God hovers at the edges of our lives, and the scripture helps us to get in touch with what that is. And I think the more we ponder the mystery, the more we are able to love because we feel the love. Deep calls to deep. The mystery of God calls to us to discover our deepest selves. My, my teacher, Ed Farley, uh, talked about how these diverse readings cluster around all sorts of symbols in the Bible, um, symbols about justice and community and evil and law and grace. And it's not simple, 
but becoming part of that shapes and reshapes our imagination so we care more and are aware more of these things going on in the world around us. And Jesus, the word of God, enlightens these with hope wrapped up in God's saving grace. And all of a sudden the good news comes not from one simple clear passage, but from an openness to the mystery of God's presence in our world and in our midst of God's saving love. Deep calls to deep, the deep within us. The message of the Bible is good news, as is shown in that Old Testament passage, as is shown in the New Testament passage. There's good news all over the place in the Bible. And, and what is given to us in this is an invitation to join on the journey, to discover and be surprised at where God is calling us. Sometimes the journey is a struggle. And I love that story of Jacob wrestling with God in the darkness. Jacob, who is so arrogant, so prideful, and, and uh, he, he, has, uh, he has really uh, messed everything up in his life. And uh, in the dark, he wrestles with God and uh, wrestles till daybreak. And at daybreak, God, uh, God puts his hip out of joint. And for the rest of his life, Jacob limps. <laughs> well, I, I think that's an image of humility. And as we wrestle with God in scripture, that sometimes we walk in not such an arrogant way, but in humility towards God and in community with the other people who all of a sudden we discover, as Jacob did, that these other people matter. To read the Bible, you have to come with a willingness to be surprised. Uh, to have the otherness of these other voices collide with us um, and, and open us up to seeing anew. I don't think uh, I have begun to scratch the surface of what the Bible means. Um, and, and I celebrate that because I keep on every time I open it and see I am surprised by what I read and what happens there. Um, the Bible uh, may change the world, but at the very least, it will change us as we read it. The light of Christ comes and illuminates our lives, and as we live in the light of Christ, we may become part of the illumination of someone else's life. Uh, the Bible is, uh, is, is um, a gift that God gives to us, and, and be careful not to use the Bible as a way to judge other people. Um, that's not what it's about. It's not to close off arguments. Um, it, it's to open us up to God's grace and God's love. The Bible's not a history book, it's our book. The Bible is not someone else's story alone, it's our story. And if we open the book, it will open us to our deepest selves. The Bible is not a rule book or a set of doctrines or a ransom note to hold you hostage, hostage if you do not submit to its demands. But when I wanna close and say this and say this very clearly, what the Bible is, is a very long, profoundly deep love letter. The Bible is a love letter 
in which God is seeking to speak to you. Make sure that you read that love letter every day. Amen.